You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 85 called The Great EdTech Debate. Adobe Spark versus Canva. In this episode, we will be sitting down with Brian Carpenter to talk about which EdTech tool, Adobe Spark or Canva, is better for student content creation. This is another episode that you don't want to miss. Check it out. So our guest today, we're very excited about this one. He is a host of Fresh Air at Five, the podcast, and has served as a secondary math, science, and tech teacher at the Abbotsford Virtual School since 2010. He's also served as a helping teacher for technology at Start Education, supporting Learn34.com, Moodle, WordPress, and iOS integration into classrooms. Previously, he's taught at Yale and Muat secondary schools in Abbotsford after leaving his career as an industrial chemist and pharmaceutical research scientist in Langley, British Columbia. Welcome to the show, Brian Carpenter. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be here, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Talk about some tech and, and life. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you on the show, Brian. How did, how did I do pronouncing M-O-U-A-T? Moet. <laughs> Moet, as in so Farley Moet. He's a Canadian author. So, okay, I was figured I was at least somewhere in the ballpark. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show here today. How's the weather out there in British Columbia? I know I visited. We, my wife and I, did. Um, let's see, Olympic National Park two summers ago, and it was about a week straight of gray skies and rain. Was that in Whistler, BC? Uh, no, Olympic National Park. I think it's like northwestern Washington. Oh, State. Up in, so down in Washington, there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty we, close we, to you guys. Yeah, we get a lot of rain and, and gray like they do down in Washington. But, uh, you know, I will trade the rain all winter for having to shovel snow. I, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, grew up shoveling snow in minus 30 degree weather. You know, that's Celsius, so that's really cold. I'd rather live here where I can go out for my walks all winter long, you know, and, and not have to shovel it. So that's my thoughts there. That's awesome. Uh, one thing I noticed is... Nick smirked because he read the word chemist. He always uh, smirks anytime someone has anything to do with chemistry because that's near and dear to his heart. So that makes me extra happy today as I pit you two together <laughs> for one of the best uh, ed tech debates, at least a tribute to the one of the best ed tech debates debates that goes on. So uh, one of our favorite things about uh, having guests on the episode is being able to learn about their educational journey and how they got to the point they are right now in their career. I was hoping that you could share with us some of the uh, the major stops that you made along the way. Well, I got into you know education um, kind of in a backwards way. I was uh, studying science at the University of Calgary back in the 90s, and then I stepped into my master's program. And as a graduate student, a way to pay for being a, a student, you know, and pay for your, your tuition, we had to work as uh, lab techs or, or lab instructors. And so they put me into a second year organic chemistry lab. And I remember that first day that I walked in there, I think I was more scared than the students, but then no, they were more scared to be there than I was. Um, I didn't know anything about all this teacher lingo and stuff that I know now and ways of doing things. It was just 
stepped into it and uh, tried some stuff. And uh, it, you know, it was a great experience, a fantastic experience. My, my professor I worked with, he grew me in my understanding of how to teach chemistry a little bit. And uh, we started developing even some online resources back then. So fast forward uh, a few years later, I worked as a, as a research scientist at a, a pharmaceutical company down the road from me, about half an hour from where I live now, and uh, was a process development research scientist, and we did organic chemistry and did scale-up stuff. So, Nick, we would take like the medicinal amounts of like 20 to 30 milligrams of stuff that med, med chems would make, and we would scale it up to like, I don't know, hundreds of grams and big reactors and stuff like that. It was super fantastic. My company provided us the opportunity to volunteer with Science World, uh, which is in Vancouver, BC. And uh, it was a great opportunity because it gave me some experience beyond the walls of the lab, got me into some classrooms and I got to see, you know, lights come on in students' eyes as we talk about chemistry and we'd bring our craft and our science show to the, to the school. So it was pretty nifty. Moving from that, I uh, did that for about seven years as a research scientist, and then our company got sold after a hostile board takeover, which was exciting to watch, and uh, we got sold to a company out of Illinois that came up and ate us, you know, for one of our compounds that we had that was going into phase three trials, and uh, we were the little company that could, and they came and ate us and offered me a job in Illinois, and I said, you know... I like my job, but I, I'm going to stay here because I like where I live more uh, here out in the West Coast of British Columbia. So I stepped into being a teacher. I had, you know, some desire to do that, but I didn't know all the lingo and all that stuff. I went to Simon Fraser University for a one-year program. You know, I had my master's already and stepped into a job um, at Moet Secondary as a science teacher back in 2009. So. That was my first go. I taught conventionally in a in a high school, um, teaching science, chemistry, earth science, and you know math um, for a year and a half in a classroom. And then I moved to the Abbotsford Virtual School, which is a distributed learning or online school now, where we have many many more students taking one-off courses that are different places in you know our secondary system all throughout British Columbia. So I got students up in Kamloops and far north and out on the island and different places. So doing that, which is, which is pretty great. So you had plenty of online experience before the pandemic. Is that oh, what I'm taking away from this? Yes. Yeah. Before the pandemic, yeah, we had plenty of online experience. So our secondaries, they said to me, well, what's going to change? And I'm like, uh, nothing. You guys just carry on because you know how to do what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we're not changing how we're our, our means of practice. The only thing that was going to change was how we did supervised exams, right? We would expect the students to come into our building so we could look in the whites of their eyes and compare that to their ID for academic integrity. And, uh, you know, we had to change the practice of how we did that. We've gone to more, um, you know, Google Meet supervision. So they got their webcam on and doing what we're doing here with the podcast right now, being able to look at each other and share screens. And that's how another way that we can meet those needs. We still do have students come into our building but, you know, smaller numbers and things like that. So back in 2015, I uh, stepped out of that my role at uh, AVS for a year and a half to be a, a technology helping teacher in our school district. So I got to I got to add here. I didn't I didn't realize that this is not only sort of like, uh, I don't know if we maybe we call it digital media tool versus digital media tool. This is also chem teacher versus chem teacher. I was also 
a process development chemist for a very brief time before I started teaching for a company in central PA called Crota. They make like uh, raw materials for shampoos and conditioners, a lot of beauty products. So I spent all day in a lab doing like basically running these auto titrators, saponification values. I found it super boring. No offense to the chemists out there. I did not like it. I just wasn't around enough people. And that's sort of what brought me to education. Did you have the same experience in a lab in that like purely research role or did you enjoy that a little bit more? Well, our company, we were a, a small company, but you know, I had four lab mates and we'd, we'd hang out and we'd kibitz and we had our, our, you know, community at our company. But yeah, I would agree with you that, you know, working in a lab is very different than working in a school because, you know, in a school you see people, you're interacting with a lot more people and um yeah it's just it, it, i appreciate i enjoy my teaching experience now a lot more than being a chemist stuck in a lab i'll tell you what i feel great and horrible at the same time i feel like i introduced both of you you could be great <laughs> friends and now i'm about ready to tear you guys apart putting you against each other but before we do that uh you're big in ed tech we're big into ed tech what do you think ed tech's role is in education i think that ed tech is a is we can use it as as a tool you know and so i've got a quote that i came up with um a while ago about 10 years ago technology is merely a tool which when wielded appropriately and can enhance this human endeavor we call education i think education is a human endeavor no matter how much technology and you know, artificial intelligence we put into it to do, you know, self-marking tests and things like that. It still needs people like you and I to be behind that technology, to be programming it and delivering content and building relationships, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we always say that ed tech is not the silver bullet. It doesn't take away from just great teaching. So, uh, I think those mesh together pretty well. Let's go into the bulk of our episode, which is we're going to finally, I know we've hit it, hinted at this on several episodes, and I, I believe you actually called us out on one of yours saying, hey, we got to get this together. we got to do this. So yeah. I'm glad that it's finally here. Let's talk uh, Canva versus Adobe. At the beginning of any debate, you need to set definitions, parameters uh, in order to keep the discussion where it needs to be. So I will tell you this, we're just debating Canva. We're just debating Adobe Spark. None of the other ones, just those two. We're going to put those together and uh, give it a go. I think that's the uh, Jen Giffen saying that she uses, and I know yep. she's uh, a, a Canada native, so I'm going to give that a go there. So let's just get into it. Why don't you both give an overview, and we'll start with you, Brian. You give an over overview of the Adobe Spark platform. All right, the Adobe Spark platform. Adobe Spark is an online design space, which is web-based. Um, it functions on iOS and Android devices and serves as three tools in one. So, Nick, you ready for this? We got Adobe Spark Video, which is a video tool built into Adobe Spark that um, allows for simple yet you know, elegant-looking video creations. Um, Adobe Spark Page is a one-page website creator, so you could have like a long one web page kind of design with great graphics and text and things like that. Not super customizable like WordPress or anything like that, but you know, for kids in school, gets the job done. And Adobe Spark Post, which is the graphics creator, which is why we're here um, on the show today for this showdown. Um, Adobe Spark is a freemium platform, meaning that, you know, entry level, you can use it. There's a lot you can do with it with various pay levels, 
for added functionality uh, like Canva also has. Um, but I only use the free version and have yet need to advance beyond that to do any of the creation work that I do. Um, I like to use the free versions of most things because when my students leave my classroom, you know, they leave the, you know, under the umbrella of, you know, what the teacher can provide for tools and resources, they can still use the tools. So that's one reason why that's really important. The learning curve is nearly zero as Adobe Spark is designed for novice graphic designers to avoid them, avoid, afford them quick and sharp looking videos, web pages, and graphic. All right. That was a great intro to Adobe Spark. Nick, you're up with Canva. You better start bringing it because that sounded pretty darn good to me. Yeah, that's cool. And this is kind of, uh, I feel a little bit self-serving today because I, I really only know Canva, at least super well. I mean, we always sort of share different ways to for students and teachers to build the, these digital uh, things, images and video and uh, websites. But I don't obviously use them all extensively. So I'm really excited to hear about Adobe Spark because it's a tool that we've always mentioned but uh, they do, they sound similar. So Canva, I mean, they describe it and I would describe it this way too. It's really, it's graphic design, a one-stop shop for graphic design. So you go there and you can create mostly images. That's sort of what Canva was built off of. Um, it seems like they more specialize in the social media style graphics. So if you're say trying to be some kind of an influencer and you've got your Instagram account and you want it to look really sharp, like you've got a whole team of designers behind you, you need Canva because it does that for you. Um, but the role for business people and even educators and students, you know, is it, there's a lot that can help you there too. And that's sort of why it's been growing in that space because you can find really incredible, uh, super professional presentation templates, posters. And that's where the student piece comes in. Uh, really any kind of document, whether it's a resume or a worksheet, uh, visual content in general, uh, I like to throw out there that Canva also has an app. So for people that don't mind working off their phones, you can grab the Canva app and do most things that you can do on the the uh, the web-based version as well. It's like you said, Brian, it's free to use. So there's a free version that has really from your average person, most of what you could ever want. Uh, there is a pay version if you want to get a little bit more serious with it. And I'll get more into this later, but I think a big sort of feather in the cap for Canva is that it is free to the educator. Uh, and as long as you can prove that you are an educator, you get a lot more than the average free user would. So that's uh, maybe that's the best way I can briefly describe the Canva platform. Yeah. So one thing that I, I hear from both of you is the functionality is roughly the same. Uh, the levels of freeness is different in Canva just because you have to prove that you're an educator. And the same thing goes for the uh, Adobe Spark, they, there are some free opportunities there, which is huge, especially when you have districts that, you know, maybe stretch their, their budget a little bit to pick up these one-to-one -one devices so they wouldn't have the money to use these tools, but because it's in the educational package, they would be able to use it. So, all right, let's get into round one, and I called this the why. And the why is really why we use these tools. And I know that you covered some of it because it's free, but there has to be something more than that. I'm going to make you dig deep into your pockets here and come out with an, a couple of reasons why, Brian, you would use the Adobe Spark platform. Because at the end of the day, I want convinced that I want to go and and check out one of these tools. I'm just not sure which one. So Brian, start with the why here. What are the top three reasons you use Adobe Spark, the Adobe Spark platform? 
Okay, so I'm not going to use free as one of my three reasons here because I've already used that. So moving on, I guess I'm going to use four, right, Nick? Is that That's, cheating? But it, it, maybe yeah. it is. All right, it's accessible on all, almost all devices on iOS, phones and tablets, Android phones and tablets, PCs, Macs, and Chromebooks. So I can use it anywhere because it's web-based. What is not available on Android, unfortunately, is Adobe Spark Page, the web page generator, or the video. But if we're comparing graphic design tools we got adobe spark post available on android as well as canva on android easy entry which means quick results for students um, as early as grade two and three and so i i've used this when i was learning this tool back in 2015 i i had an ipad in the house and my daughter who was in kindergarten would make Adobe Spark videos about her Barbies. And, you know, I got one on my uh, YouTube channel called, uh, why do we, wh what, what's the purpose of a watermelon or something like that. And her and I sat down one morning before I fed her watermelon and I made her work to get the piece of watermelon. And I'm like, what can you do with a watermelon? And we like ripped off this video that looks pretty slick. And I can find the link for that and give that to you guys. If you want to put that in the show notes, um, really fast and it didn't take very long and I don't have to know about storyboarding hardly. I don't have to know about, you know, different layers and audio levels and all that stuff. It does a good job of that. So easy entry also graphic wise, um, you know, I can get into doing, you know, posters and uh, graphic objects and logos and, you know, branding for students um, at the middle school level. And we dig into that and start talking about, the design process of how we need to iterate on designs and taking making small changes there. And I use this now still beyond that with my grade 11s um, that are in my media design 11 classes. We, you know, work on our school newsletter and uh, need graphic objects and they jump to spark post boom, right out of the gates. And I don't have to talk about that anymore. That's their, one of their go-to tools for making things that are pretty cool. Not, you know, obviously illustrator level or Photoshop level, but I don't have to pay for it them so that's one reason right free back to free also adobe spark post has removed background so i can take a picture of you guys right here and i could like take the background and put a cool background just like that um in there um because that allows us to do that within the app and that is like a just a game changer you know we used to use remove bg um but it didn't only it only did a certain level of resolution and this does a pretty good job for free and okay so i still use remove bg but i just recently was having a resolution issue yep. uh, because the version that it was giving me was too low quality for the, the print i was trying to make so that's very interesting not that i should be arguing for you right now brian that's pretty cool <laughs> i'm already convincing you nick yeah <laughs> i didn't know that okay that's all some great stuff so my top three uh, to use Canva, some of them are very similar. So I don't know, guys, if you're going to choose like a winner here or something at the end, but this is going to be tough because, I mean, the first thing I was going to say, Brian kind of hit on too for Adobe, which is, you know, in Canva, it's it's there's no training whatsoever. You can't. They have so many templates, and they are so great and so professional and so easy to use. Just built off of, you know, click and drag shapes and images and text boxes where you can alter the text that's already in there um, for literally everything. So, I mean, if you're just like a regular person, they've got resumes, they've got invitations that you can make and you don't have to pay, say, like Snapfish to make for you. Uh, logos, 
if you run a business, you can get a nice, fancy, professional-looking invoice. I mentioned already, if you're some kind of an influencer, all your social media, it's done for you. And then on the teacher side, worksheets, lesson plans, classroom decor ideas, so they even sort of break away from the digital space. You know, for me, PowerPoint and Google Slide presentation templates, Zoom backgrounds, schedules, concept maps. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. If you if there's something you think you might want for your classroom, Canva's probably going to have it, even if it doesn't seem totally in that like digital media design space. Seating charts is another one. And again, there's just there's no learning curve because you get in, you find a template that you like, and you just type your information into it. Now you can build your own things from scratch as you get more comfortable, it, but you don't have to. And that's the point. And I like that for kids and, and they like it too. It guys always gives me a lot of props for my artistic talent. And a lot of it, honestly, it's just Canva templates <laughs> that I use and, and they look good. So it makes me look good. So that's a big one for me. Um, also similar to Adobe, the free version, it's pretty good. Um, they have tons of free templates. I think without paying, you can get access to 250,000 free templates, uh, more than you could ever feasibly use. Now, you will run into some that are, are sort of behind that paywall, but, you know, you can just sort of click around those. Still a bunch of different design types to choose from. So social media posts, presentations, letters, etc. Part of the free package also comes with free photos and graphics that you can use. So images where you don't have to worry about you know, whether you technically have to buy that from someone to use it. These are all sort of like that Creative Commons license and you can use those. Um, you can also invite members to your team and the collaboration is a big part of this that I'll get into later, uh, as well as some cloud storage. I think the free version, you get up to like five gigabytes free of cloud storage. I'll also add that, you know, we pay for this as, as a podcast. We do some of the pay version stuff. And if you do want to pay, it's not that bad. 10 bucks a month for sort of like their mid-range and then $30 a month for the the extreme top of the line. So even that is not going to break the bank on anyone, I don't think, if you did want to go there. And then I'll just mention again that Canva for Education, as long as you've got a school email, completely free with unlimited classes and unlimited students in each class. So I think that's super great. And then the third one I wanted to mention specifically for teachers, this integrates super great with Google Classroom. So if you've got a roster in Google Classroom, you can pump that straight into Canva for Education. Works really great on Chromebooks. They just recently optimized it for that. And if you're worried about any of the uh, Corpa, FERPA compliance stuff, they do not share any student information whatsoever, which makes it super great and hassle-free for me. So some great stuff there for Canva too. All right. So I've listened to both sides so far. I, I am a big fan of the remove background tool. And as you said, remove.bg does have some limitations. So that's definitely uh, a point for Brian. Uh, it's also a point for Brian because you had a great opportunity there to say, hey, yeah, Canva makes templates, you know, these templates, which makes things look good. But you could have mentioned me there, Nick. I did. I do some of our stuff. <laughs> So I don't know if we would deduct a point from you or if we just uh, give Brian leave it an flat. Eye. Maybe just leave it flat. You know, I don't want to don't want to take too many points away from them. It's but, a wash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think you did a great job at pointing out, Nick, uh, all the the emphasis of the templates, and maybe Brian, you could speak a little bit about the the template uh, structure a little bit, and if they're as great as the ones in Canva. 
I would say that there are templates available in Adobe Spark Post that are allow you to make really great things in all manner of templates. I don't know if it's 250,000 plus, like Nick said, but you know what? There are templates that are there. I start my students off, though, on a blank canvas, and I teach them how to design from a blank canvas. I'm, I'm like, you know, you can obviously go take those things and uh, and run with them. But I'm like, okay, if we're going to build a poster, how do you build a poster? Like, you know, because that's a skill, I think, as opposed to going and finding a template. So I stay away from templates in my design teaching. Um, in a science class, Nick, I can see the value in that because it's like you got you got to get things moving and get production as opposed to teaching how to use the tools from scratch, right? And so, you know, I do, I have used templates in the past. And you know what? I'm going to give you a point, Nick, because last year for grad, we needed a ticket because we had a ticketed event because we can only have 50 students in the room for, or people for due to COVID. So we needed to print out tickets and our secretary walked in on her one day and she was like trying to make this ticket in, in word. And I'm like, can I help? And she says, sure. And so I looked around and you know where I went, Nick? I went right to Canva and I found the grad ticket. And, you know, I, I, I did it. And within an hour, I had 50 number tickets on her desk because I brought them out back into, um, you know, Google Slides to put numbers and automatic numbering on them and stuff like that and, and handed them to her. What I didn't realize was that the color scheme that I picked in Canva was now our color scheme for grad because that needed to be our brochures, our tablecloths, and all that stuff. So, you know, Canva is a, it's a great tool. It's a fantastic tool. So I'm not going to slam it, but uh, the Spark's better. I'm, I'm glad you pointed out, too. Sometimes I harp on the template thing because, yeah, I you know, in teaching my chem classes, I'm not teaching them how to design things. So, like you said, I want it to be quick. And also, you know, for us in the podcast – I can't, I could, I don't want to spend four hours developing a social media post. I want it done in 15 minutes because like all of us, we're trying to manage 30,000 other things. But uh, really important to also mention the other side, which is you can start from scratch with these tools and really teach, you know, elements of design and how to do that. So an important point that we often gloss over. All right. So you got a charity point from Brian on that one. <laughs> charity point. But that's good. All right. So one thing that we like to do on Got Tech is give our listeners some practical advice of how they can use ed tech tools. And I know that we covered a little bit of them, but I want to get into specific examples and just maybe come up with a couple and you can alternate back and forth because I'm sure some of these are going to overlap and uh, just share some ways that you actually bring Adobe Spark and Canva into the classroom and what your expectations are of your students while using those. All right, I'll go first. Um, Adobe Spark Video um, is a video creation tool, and Canva doesn't do a lot of that that I'm aware of. Maybe they're getting better at it, um, but I haven't seen that. Um, but in my grade three to five, you know, classroom in our building, we've got you know kids that come in for one day of school a week, and they're doing the rest from at home with their families and and learning that way. And uh, our teacher that's there, she's like, "Can you come in and work with Adobe Spark with the kids?" So you know, from the get go of logging into their Chromebooks. I teach them how to make a video in Adobe Spark video and they're working on their recycling research science that they're working on and, and, and they're building videos and putting their narration in that so they can include their own actual voice into the video with one stop, you know, orange button press, it records, boom, you don't have to move that around, it's stuck to that slide, which is pretty fantastic. 
other ways I've done that, um, I've used it as a welcome video for my classroom. You know, what are you going to expect when you get to Carpenter's class, right? When you come in for, uh, you know, design, you know, digital literacy class with Mr. Carpenter, what does he expect you to do? You know, be respectful and all those things, right? And I learned about that from Monica Burns and uh, Ben Forda in their book called 40 Ways to Inject Creativity in Your Classroom with Adobe Spark that came out in 2018. And it's fantastic. They've got templates. They've got other ways and lesson plans of being able to use these tools in your classroom. So if you want to check that out, I'll put that link into the show notes um, for you guys. But uh, that's another thing that I have done. So you're, you're right about the video. That's one thing Canva cannot boast. They do. You can download things in Canva as that MP4, so that video format. But it's more like, you know, if you've got a series of PowerPoint slides, you can download those images and it switches from one slide to the next every five seconds or so they're also they are getting better i think they may be going in that direction you can do like little animated graphics so like a little smiley face uh that'll play over you know a very brief video but there certainly is not like deep video editing components so that's that's for sure a point uh for adobe spark one of the things i was going to mention you know, that Canva that I use it for specifically is from that teacher side. It just helps me make really great looking stuff really fast. So, you know, my PowerPoints, my Google slides, uh, they're always looking super professional and super tight because I'm using those things that Canva provides me. This is especially good for stuff that maybe I put up on YouTube. If I'm flipping my classroom and everything's out there publicly, I want to make sure it looks nice. So I, I always use one of the templates that they have there so that it looks super great because it's out there in the world representing me. Uh, logos, they have pre-designed logos in Canvas, so I can steal some of those and turn them into sort of unit-themed logos. So if we're doing a unit on thermodynamics, I have a, a logo for that unit. I think it helps the kids kind of keep track visually of what's what. Uh, worksheets as well. So Canva actually has, you know, they must have some educators on staff because they have worksheets ready to go template form and you just download them as pdfs and a couple other formats too and a big one for me is infographics if i you know don't want to spend time teaching like a dry lecture-based lesson i'll turn it into an infographic that the kids can explore on their own and sort of integrate that with some sort of a project on their end so i just like that i can make really great looking stuff basically from that for, as a teacher with my content going that's going to be out there in the world what, what else you got, Brian? I would agree with you that, you know, Adobe Spark allows me to make great looking stuff too quickly. And, you know, if I'm in Google Slides or PowerPoint, I try to avoid PowerPoint because uh, we got Google in our district, which is great. And I've been using Slides for a long time. But in Slides, you know, you got to go choose your font. You got to choose all these different things. Whereas the design elements in Adobe Spark has some preset things and and, you know, a smaller font set and, and allows you to do design really quickly that I can output in many different sizes and formats, you know, from phone size to Instagram square to 16.9 that I can put into a, into a Google slide. And so I agree with that there. Um, I'm going to jump here into Adobe Spark page a moment and talk about the one page web page idea and I think Canva can probably do something similar to this but it's more like a PowerPoint going from slide to slide to slide as opposed to a gliding slide show or a gliding web page kind of thing you know and it, it's pretty sharp how things can go with that I've had students do their you know travel brochure in that my daughter actually she was going to be making a web page at her school and I said hey what about Adobe Spark 
page and she's like, what's that dad? And so she, we sat down and her teacher was like, whoa, come, we need to talk. And so I showed her teacher and that would gave me an entry level into her classroom about that. And, you know, her, her travel brochure was significantly more exciting because you in, in web in Adobe Spark page, you can put video and pictures and text and buttons and links and all manner of things. There's a limitation obviously, but you know, it does pretty good for being free. Um, my wife and I went to Mexico. Oh my goodness. Do we remember Mexico? You guys remember going, going on a trip maybe somewhere? <laughs> yeah, vaguely. <laughs> so we left the, the airport here in Abbotsford back in 2000, I think 18 or 19. It was just, be- it was before the pandemic. And uh, from my phone, I did all the editing of this Spark page on my phone and had it ready to share on Facebook when we touched down a week later by building everything on my phone. You know, making all the content from my GoPro, putting up on YouTube videos and inserting those as well as Spark videos into there and had pictures and all manner of things. And so, um, you know, kind of a portfolio idea. You know, students can use this as a portfolio. You need an element journal, Nick, in your chemistry class. Get the kids to dig into an element. Tell me all about that. And they can make it look pretty good with pictures and, you know, videos and things like that without having to know HTML code to build web pages. So... Yeah, that, that's a great one. Uh, and it kind of made me think Canva does have one of the options for, you know, when you go to Canva, you just you can start by selecting the type of thing you'd like to create, whether it's a, you know, a logo or a presentation. Website is one of them. I've never actually tested it. So I'm curious sort of what their format is there, if it's like that one single sliding page. Um, so it's out there, but it does. I would bet that it's not as... Um, uniquely designed around that website sort of feel like it seems Adobe Spark is, but uh, definitely an option. The second thing that I like about Canva or second way that I've used it is for me, a new thing that they offer it teachers called virtual classrooms. Uh, Guys, it's going to sound familiar to something that you made way back at the start of the pandemic. I think where I think it was maybe Bitmoji scenes. It's kind of like that for anybody that knows uh, these things, but now Canva has them too. So you can imagine really it's just an image. You generally would download this as a JPEG or PNG, but you get your image of this classroom and there's in the classroom bulletin boards and chalkboards and, you know, computer screens, monitors, whatever. And on those things are text boxes where you can type and edit and make it your own. Uh, so you can imagine maybe creating this virtual classroom environment as the introduction to a project, let's say, or maybe the introduction to a week's worth of activities that the kids are going to do. And you type all of that into the virtual classroom, whether it's on the, the, you know, the, the board that's in that room, you list it out or whatever, you download that as a PNG. And what we like to do is take that image, put it in a Google slide where you can then make those things uh, clickable by inserting links into your Google Slides. So oh, yeah. it's pretty cool. You can develop the virtual classroom right there. It looks super nice and then bring it into Google Slides for that um, that functionality of being able to actually click on links that take you to different spots as students sort of work at their own pace through that uh, that virtual environment. So maybe just another way to get that virtual classroom image and push content and skills out to your kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of sitting back and listening to everything. But some of the stuff, I mean, Nick, you just shared two things that you never shared even on our show about Canva. We talk about Canva a lot. I think 
I think one of these days we just need to sit down and have like a think tank with people that use Canva and Adobe uh, Spark because both of these tools have a lot in common. Let's let's just be straightforward with that. I think we could probably cross mix a lot of these tools and make it a choice option for our students. Do either one of you want to uh, share? Anything I got one more. Right, I got definitely. one more. All right. So Adobe Spark Post. This is my jam lately. So. I learned about Adobe Spark Video back in 2015. It was actually called Adobe Voice, and it was only at that time an iOS app, iPad app, actually. It wasn't even on my phone. And then they went and made it available on my phone, and that was called Adobe Spark. No, it was, it was called Adobe Voice at the time. And then I remember when that transition to Spark happened. And it was just like mind blowing. And Spark has gotten better and better and better. And uh, the post feature that's there is my jam now. I, I don't make a lot of videos personally anymore, but I'm in Adobe Spark Post, which is like Canva to make graphics every day. I do the graphic stuff on my phone primarily. Um, I got my students in the classroom on their Chromebooks and their PCs and their Macs in the browser doing Canva. I gave them the option the other day to use, no, not Canva, Spark post spark post um to make uh do their graphic work on the ipad and i dug out the ipads at school and i put them on the desk and you said you guys can come use these and they looked at the ipads and goes what do i need that for and i'm like okay we've made some progress that so they want to stay inside their browser because it's a space they're familiar with right and so um Getting kids to work on their devices is really great from doing graphic work if you look at my webs or my uh podcast the fresh air at five logo you know i designed that over the course of about a year it took me a bit of time to do a tweaky tweaky tweak and work on it here and there this and that and you know you can take bitmojis into spark post and have them with transparent backgrounds and floating around on things and you know there's a lot of logo opportunities and sticker opportunities that are there you know and uh, you guys got your sticker which is great i got it on the water bottle just behind me here which is fantastic and the, um, you know, working on stickers, like it's a great opportunity for branding. And I had my students make stickers, my grade nines to 11s and found a local print shop that actually printed round stickers and irregular shaped stickers for them that they just, they were just so psyched about that. So logos and branding is a big, big deal for me in there. Um, Eric, do you want to say something? I was just seeing if I could find the uh, fresh air at five sticker. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know that you gave me a couple. I have one on my laptop where it rightfully belongs. All right. On. And then uh, I think that one, if you look over my shoulder, you can see I'm starting two sticker boards. This is really Nick's idea. I just stole it. He has a, a, a bookshelf in his office that is pretty much all stickers. You can't even see Sweet. the wood anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, in my district, we're not allowed to put stickers on our laptops because they're leased, right? And so I got to do something similar. So I got the water bottle, and I'm starting to collect EdTech stickers to put on there, which is pretty good. Um, you know, using objects for putting in a newsletter. Like I, my grade 11s do our newsletter publication, and I've taken that away from our office as a design opportunity in media design. And, you know, last year I worked with my students on how to build a template in, in Google Slides, how to take a Google Slide and make it into an eight and a half by 11 from 16.9 wide, right? And people are like, what do you mean? You can do that? And I'm like, yeah, this is how you do that. And then every month, once a month, my, my grade 11s, there's, I've got seven of them in the class. They, we collect all the content from the staff, and then I give them the raw text and pictures and everything and 
we as a collaborative team in one class block sit down and we desktop publish this thing so that you know we can look at that so that's pretty fantastic how we can use that and if i need graphic objects in there i'm like okay who's going to make me the logo for the top corner you know today this month's theme with you know saint patrick's day and changing the time right and they jump into there and they they create something that we can put in there and also back in the fall we went over our digital citizenship unit and i had the kids demonstrate their learning by making an infographic and you know what canva probably has a easier way of doing this than spark post but i'm like i want you guys to struggle in spark post because i want you to learn how to use this tool and they made my goodness some fantastic way beyond my imagination posters for digital citizenship that we can leave up around the school and share that information with others and that's all i got for there i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you that i i think this is awesome i think by you running your classroom where there are roles cut out for each student and you're working towards a common goal it does a couple things it it provides ownership to the students but the biggest thing is is that content that they make doesn't die when you collect it absolutely Uh, you you get to it, it gets to be viewed by other people and i think that's a big life skill that oftentimes we're missing out on nick do you have any other canva uh projects or uses that you use in your classroom Yeah, just one more, and it's a quick one that uh, isn't a specific project, but I think deserves to be mentioned. And it's just that uh, Canva is a real-time collaborative, or you can do real-time collaboration with your students. So it's great for group work. And even, you know, in this virtual teaching pandemic environment, the, the students in the group can be in completely different spots. And a change is made, you know, over here in one town, and then the kid working in the next door town sees that at almost the exact same moment, similar to how you would work in a Google Doc or Google Slides. So for me, that real-time collaboration is huge and you can do that in Canva. Uh, Specifically, I've had my students do this, kind of like you mentioned, Brian, for like an animated graphic, and then they bring that together uh, as part of like maybe a screencast or a video project that they're doing, but you can actually uh, build like a really nice sort of like a video intro in Canva, make it look super professional export that out and then that becomes the introduction to their the screencast that they have to make to explain some type of a scientific concept to me after the fact but uh, really this is about the real-time collaboration which is always super important and can't and adobe spark doesn't have that yet and they're working on it there is collaboration that i can take and share my project with you but it goes back to the old word perfect way of only one editor at a time so that real time that's an awesome thing that Canva's got going on. I can't wait for that to show up in Spark. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a game changer. I think it takes creativity and opens up the door a little bit more for students there. All right, so now let's let's wrap up this discussion a little bit. We typically in a debate you have your closing argument where you wrap up your main points, but I'm just going to call this final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want you to give me a couple final thoughts on uh, maybe it's we'll, we'll open the door if you want to talk about Canva or Adobe or something that you learned about this discussion, I'll I'll leave the floor open to to both of you. Adobe Spark's a great entry-level tool that, you know, people can use to make things look nice. Um, Canva does the same kind of thing. 
Um, Adobe Spark Post is not Adobe Illustrator or Photoshop, so it doesn't have that level of sophistication. But for free and accessible, my goodness, it can do some amazing things that my grade 11s, you know, they still, it's their go-to tool. And I don't show them Illustrator because I have to pay for it. And I don't want them to leave school learning a tool like AutoCAD that they cannot use unless they become an architect at an architectural firm, right? Or something like that. So that's one reason why I do that. Um, I've got some presentations from a conference back in the fall. If you guys want to go take a look at that, I'll put those links in the show notes here for you. Um, you can go look at those videos um, that and I go over all the tools in much more depth. So the nuts and bolts of each of these tools is there. And uh, yesterday when I was like prepping for this, because I had to do my homework because I knew Nick was bringing it and uh, I had to had to be ready, you know, with uh, with some stuff. And I found an article by Kevin Wood that was written back in 2017 and updated, you know, just this past month. Um, called uh, Adobe Spark Review. Three, we found three reasons for and against it. Um, that was on digital.com. And so, you know what? That article, I read that and I went, okay, that's everything I'm going to say. And, and I, I had those ideas ahead of time, right? So, but it was like, okay, it's, it's, it's just confirmation that you're not, you're not out in left field by yourself, right? That there's other people that are out in left field. You just don't see them, right? So, yeah. So that's my final thoughts. Yeah, that's that's good. I like the article. Actually, guys popped into my classroom this morning. It was full of kids, and he he looks at me and goes, uh, "Did you see the show notes for today?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I looked." And he goes, uh, "Brian's bringing it. You just better be ready." So it was actually, you kind of forced me to step up my game. I learned a ton <laughs> about Canva just in in prepping for this. Yeah, and uh, I hope our listeners kind of get it, uh, that that sense from not only my research but yours as well, because there's tons of great stuff here. My, my closing arguments would be this, just to remind everybody, Canva, for me, for someone that's not teaching a design class, uh, it's probably the fastest, easiest, freest way to make really professional looking everything, whatever you want, whether it's a presentation or a video introduction or a resume, and it takes no training, almost no training whatsoever. Your kids are going to appreciate that too. I think this kind of idea of teaching students, even if they're not in a design class, but here we are making this really awesome digital content. It teaches kids about important life skills branding, marketing, showing the best of yourself and putting these really incredible looking products out there uh, that you can do. The average person can do. You don't have to have an arts degree uh, to accomplish that anymore. And sort of just building those real life skills for them, super important. And sort of going along with that, this gives students a, a great sort of takeaway place to go for later in life when maybe they are applying for a job and having nothing to do with teaching or or design but you have to submit a resume and you want to put that best foot forward we're no longer limited to just typing things out in microsoft word with some bullets you can create really wild looking stuff yeah. and they'll they'll now know canva is a place that they can go for free make a really great resume or like i mentioned at the start just cards you know sending out christmas invitations mm -hmm. you can do that yourself you don't need to pay a service to do it for you maybe you're writing a book you can design the cover yourself and self-publish online all of these things that seem unattainable to most people you can do and canva is like a one-stop shop for all of it i think it's great for kids to know about
So there you go. I yeah. agree with Spark on that one too. He can use that to do lots of those things. So yeah, I guess it would only be fair if I get to say some of my final takeaways. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I will say this: uh, I am very competitive with Nick, so I really just wanted to come in here and be Team Brian. But after listening to both of you, I'm going to have to probably do the cop out and just say that. My biggest takeaway here is that both of these are fantastic tools and that you can, anything that promotes student creativity in education, in the classroom, in life, is a tool that I want to be a part of. So for me, I know next year, Nick and I were starting with another teacher in our school, a course called World Ready Technology. Nice where students are going to be podcasting, they're going to have YouTube channels, they're going to be blogging, vlogging, doing digital art, they're going to be branding all this stuff, and they're going to be promoting it. And I think the best way of doing this is showing them entry-level skills in both and then see which one that they're interested in and let them take the reins on what tech tool to use there. So without saying that this is a tie... uh, (laughs) I guess, uh, great job, guys. All right. So let's Thanks, get Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got Teched. Let's get yeah. into our, uh, our next segment. I want to put. I mean, this was technically a hot seat because, you know, Nick is a heavy hitter when it comes to Canva. So that was no small task, but I think we got to put him on the hot seat right about now. Yeah, let's get into our last segment then, the Got Tech Hot Seat. And like you said, we've d- we've talked about so much already, so we can probably do this as a nice uh, uh, and even faster than the hot seat typically is. But if you've never listened to the hot seat segment before, it, we take our – our our guest for the show we ask a series of rapid fire questions guys is the one that does it at least as rapid fire as he can say them and you know brian you'll have to just respond and and these are meant to be quick responses no elaboration just the first thing that pops into your head and then i listen and choose a couple that i want to hear about afterwards so that's how it works uh brian do you understand the got tech hot seat i understand the god got tech hot seat i'm ready to go all right, and guys, I guess you got your questions. Yeah, I rehearsed them. See if I could get a millisecond faster. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll go at it. What are three ed tech tools that you can't live without? Adobe Spark Post for making graphics, Google Slides, and my iPhone for capture and creation wherever and whenever I go. What is a best practice or teaching skill that you use in your classroom? I teach my students excellence, not perfectionism, as excellence is a process which is part of the growth mindset, whereas perfectionism is impossible and unhealthy for students. All right. What is a best kept secret in education? The potential for community beyond your classroom. I mean, like we're connected today because of this thing called Edu Twitter. And uh, had I not been on there and, you know, listening to podcasts and reaching out through Twitter to connect with you guys, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Yeah, I'm thankful for that one as well. Who's an educator or member of the educational community that you see as an edu mentor? So this is just someone that provides great value to the education world. I'm going to have to go with three here. I'm going to go with Claudio Zavella Jr., who's an Adobe Spark rock star. Nick, you got to go look at his YouTube channel. He put some pretty good stuff together. And if uh, I watch a video of his, okay, I shouldn't be elaborating. Sorry. 
Teachers on Fire with Mr. KV <laughs> from uh, British Columbia here. So that's Teachers on Fire. And then Cobblestone Collective, which is the former EdTech Team Canada division with Michelle Armstrong and team. And they have grown me and my understanding through Google Summits over my time here. What is an educational resource that teachers should be aware of? You should go check out Goodwill Community Foundation, which is GCF Learn Free. And it is a website that has, okay, I'll, if you want to ask me questions about that later. So the, the link is in there. That's where I got a whole bunch of my design stuff that I taught my kids. So I will say uh, out of everyone that we had on the hot seat, I think you're the most enthusiastic, but you're also the one that bends the rules the most too. But I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> what is an educational, what's your favorite uh, quote? It doesn't have to be educational, but whatever you want. All right. This is something I came up with until you know, you don't know. Short, sweet, to the point. What is something that you do to relax and unwind? I go hiking. I make videos and all things fly fishing. So it's springtime here in BC and I cannot wait for the ice to come off the lakes. Now, that officially closes up the first portion of the Got Tech Hot Seat. I have a feeling we're going to be touching base on uh, a couple of these. Uh, Nick, what do you got for us? Okay, so the first thing that I really liked, and not something I hear a lot of teachers talk about, and, and we've talked to lots of teachers through this show. You uh, guys asked about a best practice or teaching skill, and you and you said, Brian, that you don't you don't teach perfection, you teach excellence, and I think. Uh, this when well, there could be a whole really episode just on on that, but I was curious if you could give a brief kind of synopsis of how that plays a role in your class and where that shows up most. In our my design work that I do, you know, students are like, "Well, it's not perfect." I'm like, "Well, still press the button to submit that. That's where it is is right now, right today. That's version 1.0, and we can make version 1.1 and 1.2 and 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 anything that we do, like even in science and chemistry, you know, there is a right answer, but we can, as a research scientist, I learned that once we solve a problem and make a product, that is far from the end of my job. My job is to take and modify that and make it better into something else that can be used in another part of the company. And like you, Nick, you talked about making, you know, materials for like cosmetics and shampoo and stuff like that it never stops does it it keeps on going and so bringing that kind of mindset to the classroom that just because you check a box doesn't mean it's done yeah that's that's really the like a growth mindset that we talk about a lot right yeah. guys yeah that that's exactly right i i want to add another quote to this conversation because it's one that i like Everyone heard the quote, practice makes perfect. I like to do a little tweak on that and say practice makes permanent because it helps you get those skills and learn a new skill. And the more you practice, the more like the times that it takes to do a job decreases and yep. you become a lot better at it. And yep. I am a prime example of that with Canva. I sat and looked at a screen for two hours to find the right font one time. And now... Um, I'm finding ways to do drop shadow, outlines, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not making it perfect, but it's making it permanent in the way that I go about doing things. And I, I know Nick has described templates the same way yep. in, in the past. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just good advice too, because students today are so focused on that submission and having it perfect and to build in part of your class that that's, it doesn't have to be. And, you know, if you have the, uh, I guess, the luxury of, you know, not letting things die, but giving them time to go back and redo and just 
sort of that constantly making things better, making to sort of hit at your original uh, comment there. I love it. I think it's super important and we can't mention that enough. So that was the first one. The other one was, I believe you stopped yourself talking about uh, Claudio. I do want to hear more about that. So if we could just let, let everybody know uh, this particular account and what they'll find there. All right. Claudio Zavella Jr. is a, uh... Adobe guy, and I don't know if he's, I don't think he's paid by Adobe, but he's pretty passionate. Myself, I'm not even paid by Adobe. Like, I don't get anything from them for doing this. I'm super passionate about creation, and this is the tool that I have found to do that. Um, Claudio's got a, a YouTube channel, and he puts out a weekly video about Adobe Spark, about Adobe Rush, and uh, some other Adobe products, and each week, he brings a new concept that's, you know, six to 10 minutes long that I can take to my class actually the next day, put that video on the screen and my kids can make magical things with Adobe Spark that, you know, just going, oh, I didn't know I could do it that way. I can take four photos and overlay them and crop them into a corner and change the color of every one of those corners and make a pop art kind of video, you know, picture of their face, right? It's like, ooh. I can do that, right? And you can start doing all kinds of stuff. So that's Claudio Zavella Jr. And uh, he's a solid dude. I reached out to him about a year ago and I said, hey, I really like, um, I was wondering if you have any materials you could share with me because I'm doing a presentation on Adobe Spark. He's like, here, here's my Adobe Spark page. Gave me the link and I'm like, oh, brilliant stuff and just different ways of presenting. And he's a, he's a share, genuinely nice guy out of Texas. Awesome. That's, I mean, we love any resource like that is right up our alley. So yep. really important to share that out there. And then lastly, uh, an educational resource that teachers should be aware of. I think you said something about a Goodwill community, community. foundation. Yeah. What's that all about? So this is, a. I looked into this and I'm like, I went there and I found this gold mine. Like you're walking through the bush, right? You know, just tromping through hiking and you like come across this gold mine of stuff. And you're like, are you serious? Where's this from? What's it about? And they're a, a charity organization, from my understanding, that has all manner of things on how to write resumes, how to do budgets, how to do all this stuff. And their, their section on graphic design goes into things like color, font, typography, um, you know, white space, design elements, using those kinds of things that I... I use those as my lessons and I had my students, you know, take collab notes um, in Google Docs. So they're all watching the video and they're taking notes. And I'm like, I never go back and look at them because the point is that they're paying attention. Right. And then when we get into our design work, we have a common language because this content that I was never actually formally trained in is there and I can learn all this stuff. So you need some ideas about how to use Microsoft Word. Jump over there. You need, some, you know, like. Eric, you're looking at it right now, it looks like, and there's a lot there, isn't there, and there are different ways. I am looking at the uh, digital photography section. This yep. is something that I have a lot of interest in, but you know, I bought a book on it, and I see the big book. I get intimidated by the 400 pages of yep. pictures and this and this and this, and this really does a nice job of breaking it up so you could only see small bits and pieces of it. Here's the introduction to digital cameras. Here's how to... Here's some tips and techniques of lighting, uh, taking photography at night, capturing motion, photography landscapes, and how you could use those. Yeah. Cl Close-ups versus uh, long shots. I mean, this is just awesome. Here's 10 everyday uses for your phone's camera. 
I mean, a lot of good stuff here. I'll be definitely checking this out. And then you could quiz yourself after you do all the mini lessons, see how much knowledge that you obtained. Yep. So that is just phenomenal. I'll definitely be looking at this. Take a look at it in your show notes. Um, I, I think this is a, a great resource to have in everything digital. They have a section called creativity. Yep. I absolutely love this. So that is definitely one that we will be uh, looking at for sure uh, and trying to absorb some of that knowledge. I know before we wrap it up, and by the way, congratulations, you just, uh, you're off the hot seat now. I, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't sure that you were going to make it uh, there for a Breaking second. all the rules. Breaking all the rules. I mean, luckily, I'm not the one pushing the button. Nick is a lot more forgiving than I am. But uh, great job there. I know I learned a lot. Uh, go follow Claudia Zavala Jr., uh, Tim Cavey is another awesome one, and I'm going to check out this Cobblestone Collective as well. But I wanted to give you a chance because over the last – this has been a big year for you so far in the educational podcasting world. I mean, I first learned about you last year. I, I kept seeing tweets with uh, got tech tagged in it, and I was like, all right, I got to see what this is all about. And I don't want to I don't want to say what you do, so I'm going to have you describe okay. it, but I just think it's such an awesome concept and then you took it a step further this this calendar year. So yeah. let's talk about it a little bit. All right, it was 2 Aprils ago and uh, I'd been going to the gym at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning and like getting up and going and running on the the treadmill for, you know, half an hour and doing weights and paying the money and I'm like, you know what? I can do this otherwise. And I'm like, I can exercise myself for free and I started walking in my neighborhood early in the morning right I get up in the morning so at the same time five o'clock in the morning and I start walking and then I came up with this idea called fresh air at five I'm like my fresh air at five is important to me what do I do during that I get out hit the street and I walk about five to six kilometers which is about four miles in the morning just walking and there's hills around my place up and down and all this got my earbuds in and I started listening to, you know, This Week in Google was one of the very first podcasts I ever listened to. And then I got into listening to Teachers on Fire back a couple of years ago or three years ago. Tim had me on his show and I'm like, oh, there's educational podcasts. And I started learning about different people putting out content and I started listening to content. And then I'm like, OK, if this is going to stick, I got to reflect on it. You know, like we teach our students to to reflect on their learning and this is what I was doing and I'm like one way that I did that I had Adobe Spark post and I'd make a graphic talking about something I listened to but then I heard um, Jeff Gargas on uh, Teach Better Talk he uh, he said that he was like I'm going to use my phone and record a selfie video so I'm like I tried that and I posted that on Twitter and I figured out my workarounds for the length of time I could post and now I listen to a podcast and I'm walking down the street when I'm done, before I get home, without looking at show notes or anything, what's in my head, I turn my camera on and I talk to the people and post that on Twitter every day. And then uh, that happened for about, oh, about a year. And then Chris Nessie of House of EdTech uh, challenged me. He's like, Brian, you got content you can share. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, just take all that video, strip the audio out and build a collective one week worth maybe of this content. And people will listen. I'm like, are you serious? No one's going to listen to that. And well, had 750 listens since January when Fresh Art 5 podcast launched on January 5th. I think, Eric, you were there. We were in a podcast summit that Chris invited me to as the 
the new guy on the block and I hadn't even had a single episode out. And I'm like, we can actually do this. I think we're going to do this. And so it's been pretty good. You know, allows me to do like a summary of what I listen to from a certain podcast episode. Give props to those podcasters like you guys, you know, Ryan and Brian out of California with uh, Check This Out, Jen Giffen and, and Kim Polishuk, Tim Cavey and others. And so I mix up my playlist. I'm not, it sounds, it may look similar, but I try to listen to other things so that I can give props to other people. Yeah, so the, watching your journey, I mean, from the fresh air walks with you, still do them. You still yes. post on Twitter. Yeah. You just at the end of the week say, you know what? It's time to make a mad scramble. We're going to put this. You're going to get caught up on the week. Yeah. I listened to it. That's how I got uh, reintroduced to Brian and Brian. Uh, I I listened to them before, yeah. and then I kind of got a new phone all my podcasts went away and then i found it again and that happened the same thing with shooks and gif i mean i'm a i i watched or listened to a lot of their earlier episodes went away from it for a little bit and then i came back to it and that was because of fresh air at five it, it was like oh yeah i remember that one. Oh yeah i remember that one and i just think it's great and then we did go to that ed edu podcaster summit and then they were like all right Stay tuned. We're going to get Brian set up with his podcast. Uh, yep. Ready, set. Here we go. <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah. So a lot of fun. So how do people get to your stuff? How do they get to your content? All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Carr, B-R-Y-O-N-C-A-R. That's uh, Brian Carr on Twitter. I've also got Fresh Air at 5, all is one word. So you can follow me there. That's just podcast stuff that I put up there. But my daily, daily snippet videos are on my other channel. They're my Brian Carr. I've got a website, um, BrianCarpenter.com, which is, uh, it's just my blog site and a place that I put stuff. I don't, I'm not super good at that. I wanted to blog about five years ago and I, I couldn't write, couldn't write on a regular basis. And stuff. That's not my thing, but I, I like the audio and the video part of that. Um, so yeah. And then there's my fresher at five on anchor. You can follow me there. And I do have a YouTube channel that, my recreational life gets posted there and I got videos that I make every trip we go out um, with my friends and family. I'm making a trip, a video about our trip and our experience. And that just keeps my video editing skills sharp because it's not something I'm making up. It's something that I'm sharing with the world. So yeah, you can go check that out if you like. Yeah, that's, that's so great. And there's a ton of ways for people to sort of follow you and man, what an episode we, you know, we often feature like, a ridiculous amount of different ed tech tools. I like that today's episode was a, a deep dive onto two of them. Mm. Although I do, I do think we got to share lots of uh, different stuff as well. Some things that we never would have found probably without talking to you. So wrap it up by saying thank you brian what a great uh show and thanks for joining us for another episode of got tech the podcast also thanks to our listeners for spending time with us again we want to encourage everyone to uh check out and follow brian at any of the uh kind of places he just listed i'll just do the twitters as the main ones again at brian carr and at fresh air at five but check out the very bottom of our show notes because he's got a ton of other spots you can find his stuff and as always, uh, if you're a fan of Got Tech, follow us on any of the major podcast player platforms. Write us an Apple podcast review. 
Most importantly, don't forget to tell your friends about Got Tech the Podcast and GotTech.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech the Podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.